0: Good morning, village, uh, and good morning, visitors. Uh, it's good to be uh, coming to you from my living room into your living room. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Uh, this morning, we're continuing this series Living by the Spirit in an Age of Crisis, and I was thinking about it this week that it's it might be tempting to think that, that we're the only church era to have existed in a time of crisis, but really, there's huge encouragement uh, that comes from from thinking of the history of the church. The church has, sur- has survived so many times of crisis over the, the last two thousand years. It has survived the fall of the Roman Empire, um, which must have felt like the very fabric of society was falling apart. Uh, it survived the Dark Ages when there was no real economy or governments or it, it, everything was a bit. There was no education. Uh, it was the Dark Ages, uh, and. It survived the, the plague of the 14th century when as many as 200 million people died by this horrible disease. The church has survived two world wars when the, the, the world was consumed by, uh, by, by violence and, and death. Um, and the, the encouragement that comes from this is that the church has survived the, the, the rise and fall of, of empires and kingdoms and superpowers and, and wars and famines and disease and natural disasters. And, and here's why. Because the kingdom of God can never fail. And that's, that's, that's something that, that should be hugely encouraging to us. Yeah, we have to adapt and we have to change. And, and things look different now than they normally do. But, but the church cannot fail. Because the church was established by God through the work of Jesus uh, in his death and resurrection. And therefore, because it was established by God, it cannot fail. Because God cannot fail. And so armed with this knowledge, uh, our response in these times of crisis is to to not kind of hunker down and wonder how we're going to survive or be full of of fear. but, But to press on in confidence and to ask the question, what is our response in this time of crisis? Now, obviously one easy answer to that is, uh, that we are to love God with, with our entire being and to love our neighbours as ourselves. And that's true. And that will always be the call of, of Christians and the call of the church to love God and love our neighbours. But, but we need to think about what it looks like for us, uh, particularly in detail in this time of isolation. How do we apply these truths of God to the, the circumstances that we find ourselves in? You see the church has looked differently at various times across the years and and even in this time it looks different across various places and that's a good thing. You see in Jesus we have the freedom to apply the Bible to whatever circumstances we find ourselves in uh, whilst never um, compromising or wavering on this this truth, the truth of God. And that's what we do every Sunday when we preach from the Bible Uh, and that's what we're doing in this series. And so last week Lucas taught us on um, peace in a time of anxiety. And I know a lot of you find that helpful just from speaking to, to some of you throughout the week. And this week, what I want to do is focus on love in a time of isolation. Love in a time of isolation. Um, and this really is a time of isolation, isn't it? I, I think, you know, isolation from one another is probably the biggest change that this pandemic has brought to our lives. We're just not allowed. We're simply not allowed to be close to each other physically, and there are good reasons for this. and And I don't don't hear. I'm not saying anyone go out and break the rules. I'm just saying that there's good reasons, and we should, as Christians, adhere to those guidelines of of social distance and isolation because we want to serve and love those around us by not spreading the disease. But as we all know, and I'm sure we've all felt, isolation is hard. It just Grandparents can't see their grandkids. Boyfriends and girlfriends can't spend time together. Uh, we can't hang out with our friends or, or or go and visit our parents. And I think that uh, I think that in the in the community of Jesus in the church that we find it particularly hard, and and we should find it particularly hard. We're family. We're we're bound together by our union with Jesus, something that runs far deeper and will far outlast even the biological ties that we have with our natural families. And so there's real pain when we're separated. There's a a story in the Bible in Acts chapter twenty, when the Apostle Paul, um, one of the founding members of the church, he has to leave one. A, 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 he has to leave the church in Ephesus, and and he has to go to Jerusalem. And, and And this story tells how they were they were hugging and weeping, because he had to leave. The pain of missing each other, the pain of being separated, is real. And maybe this is something you've experienced in the past few weeks as well. I know that. Every Sunday morning, when, when I log in and, uh, and, and watch our gathering online, I always get tearful because we're not, I'm getting tearful now because we're not able to be physically together. And, and that pain is real because our love is real because our union with Jesus is real. The pain is real because our love, based in the union we have in and with Jesus, is real. And yeah as I was thinking about coronavirus uh, this week I realized that, that even before coronavirus we were living in a society that's highly individualistic and 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 probably with more isolation than at any other point in history I I, I read one uh, recent study by the Association for uh, Psychological Science and and it found that, that It found that these individualistic tendencies we have increase year on year. Um, And one of the most shocking statistics was that almost 10% of people aged 16 to 24 were always or often lonely. 10% of young people are are always or often lonely. And we see these trends. Our household sizes are getting uh, smaller. Uh, people are getting married later on in life or not getting married at all. More and more people live, choose to live alone. It's now seen as shameful to live with your parents when you're an adult. Um, something that was completely normal until fairly recently. And it's still normal in Eastern cultures. And so going back to our question from earlier. How are we to be the church? in the time and place we find ourselves, the question we have to ask, both in outside of this t- period of lockdown, but, but specifically in this period of lockdown, what does it look like to be the church in an age of isolation? What does it look like to, to be the, the community of Jesus in this age of isolation? And I think our passage in Hebrews 10 that we had read for us has a lot to say about this. Now, uh, just a quick recap. We don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. But we do know that it was written to encourage uh, Christians from a Jewish background. Um, who were scattered all across the Roman Empire. And, and that would have been a really hard uh, circumstances to be the church. This book is written to encourage Christians who are going through challenging circumstances. And, and so verse 25 gives us a really clear message of what not to do. And it says, let us not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day a drawing near. So no matter the circumstances, no no matter what is going on in the world, we need to prioritize gathering together as the body of Jesus. And that's why we're doing these online gatherings. Yeah, it's uncomfortable and it's weird, but it's important. It's vital. That's why we're doing these online prayer meetings, and it's why our MCs are still, our missional communities are still uh, meeting online through Zoom and the dreaded Zoom. <laughs> and I know that a lot of your core groups have still been hanging out online as well. And and these things are important. You see, our faith is nourished, not in isolation, but as we meet together. In isolation, our faith suffers. Um, I was reading a little uh, article about Dietrich Bonhoeffer this week. D- Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a German uh, pastor of a church and, and theologian. And, and during the time of the Nazi uh, government in, in Germany. Uh, so really kind of before the war and then during the war. And, and he placed so much value on not neglecting our meeting together. And so even when the church meetings were forbidden, not, not for good reasons like we are right now, but, but forbidden because the Nazis wanted to crush the church, um, he spoke out against that. And he urged Christians to keep on meeting together and, and meeting secret. You see, he, he, he put the, the, danger of, the danger of meeting together when it was forbidden was nothing compared to the danger of Christians being in isolation and this is what he says he wrote this book about Christian community called Life Together and this is what he says in that he says the more isolated a person is the more destructive will be the power of sin over him the more deeply he becomes involved in it the more disastrous his isolation the more isolated a person is the more destructive will be the power of sin over him and we know this to be true don't we when you're on your own, temptation just seems to have more power over you. When you're on your own, you're less motivated to study and pray and read. We need to meet together as that, so we can have this iron sharpening iron. And and this pattern of not being alone is written into the very fabric of the way we are created. And so the church gets to redeem. Uh, These patterns of isolation we see in the world and individualism we see in the world, but by going back to the way that we were created to be. In creation, God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. That's the only thing that wasn't good about God's creation. And so He makes the woman so that they can start to create families and, and communities. And when we neglect our meeting together, our faith suffers. We lose our sharp edge. We become dull and blunt. But in community, in meeting together, however that may look for us right now, we, as verse twenty-five tells us, encourage one another, and we keep doing that as the return of Jesus gets closer and closer. So, you know, I know that this sounds like a contradiction. I'm saying keep on meeting together when we physically can't. But but you may be at home right now on your own, or maybe you're with uh, you know a spouse or your family or whatever. But make no mistake. These online gatherings such as we're doing right now and our MC meetings online and our prayer meetings online are a collective gathering of the body of Jesus. They're vital for us. They aren't just about sitting at home and consuming Christian content. They're about gathering together to encourage one another. And it may not look the same as as coming together physically, but we are still the church. This is why we go to these efforts and such lengths to make sure that, that we are uh, coming together online. Not not so that you can just watch a sermon and, and get, get your kind of spiritual kick for the week, but so that we, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, the family can still uh, continue to meet together in some shape or form. Now, as I was preparing this sermon about isolation, uh, I kind of started to realize that there's probably two attitudes um, about church in this time of physical separation. So, so maybe uh, we've already talked about some of you are heartbroken and you really feel that pain of not being able to be together. And I hope you do. But there's also some of you who uh, maybe don't care too much about not seeing people. You maybe, uh, maybe you're glad that you can hide away from people for uh, for a wee while. You see. Times of hardship and suffering expose our priorities, don't they? It's when things are tough that we really see what's in our hearts. And what's happening right now either exposes our commitment to the church or our or lack of commitment. And the truth is, unfortunately, it's never been easier than it is right now to be a Christian spectator. And what I mean by that is that you can just go online and watch a service like this one and have no commitment to church to the body of Jesus and maybe there's there's probably not that many people in your life right now that can keep you accountable to uh, to encourage you to challenge you but the problem with that is that the being a Christian be following Jesus is not a spectator sport the, the the Christian faith is not some commodity to be consumed the way that we do with social media or films or music or books Christianity, the Christian faith is a a calling on your life to take up your cross and follow the way of Jesus. It's about your whole life. It's not just something we can consume for an hour on a Sunday morning. Now, I realize that you may be watching this and you're not part of our church and maybe you're not part of any church and, and you're just checking things out. And listen, I'm so glad that you're doing that. I'm so glad that you're joining us this morning. And I'm not trying to beat anybody with the, you know, the big, uh, you must go to church guilt stick. I'm not trying to do that at all. But my desire is to encourage us all to pursue Jesus and, and each other, even in the middle of this time of isolation. In a time when it would probably be easier just to let this go. And my desire is that that we would all be encouraged in the benefits and the privileges and the blessings that 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 being part of the church brings us even in this time of isolation this passage in Hebrews 10 is it's not it's, it's not a kind of look what you should do it's rather, rather it's a look what you get to do and there's a big difference listen to, to what he says in, in the author says in verses 19 to 21. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us, the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. This is about what Jesus has done for us. Our our encouragement to not neglect the community of Jesus is based on what Jesus has provided for us, what he has achieved for us. It's not just about some desire to keep our friendships going. And listen, I love that we love each other and we should do that well and we should have deep friendships within the church. But our encouragement to keep being the church and to keep loving each other even in this time of isolation is based on the fact that we have confidence to enter the holy places through the blood of Jesus because Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is our great priest. Now what does that mean? I'm aware I just said a lot of stuff that will be completely unfamiliar to some of you. What's all this talk of places and curtains and priests? Well, as I said before, the book of Hebrews is is written to encourage Christians from a a Jewish background. And and, and Jewish Christians hearing this for the first time uh, would have instantly recognized that the author is talking about the Old Testament system of, of sacrifice, the old Jewish system of sacrifice that happened on the Day of Atonement. And then the Day of Atonement was the only day of the year when the high priest could go through the curtain into the most holy place, it's called the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was. And in there he would offer the blood of sacrificed animals to gain forgiveness of the sins of the people. He could do that once a year, one person once a year. And, after, and year after year after year after year, this would have to be done to make amends for the, sin, the forgiveness of the sins of the people. But what, what Hebrews is saying is that Jesus, the Son of God who had no sin, offered his own blood as a once and for all sacrifice for the sins of everyone who believes in him. And because of that, we have access not just once a year, all of us who believe in him have, have complete unfettered access every day all the time 24/7 to the presence of God and it's a sacrifice that never has to be com- repeated Jesus blood never fails his sacrifice is complete and when we trust in him and when we believe that that what this is that this is true what this is saying about him our sins are forgiven and we have full access to God this is the basis for our faith as Christians. We don't need to make sacrifices to have our sins forgiven because Jesus is our once and for all sacrifice. The way to God is open for us to approach God freely and confidently. We can just walk into His presence. In fact, not only is the way to God open up for us, we, we actually become the temple where God's presence dwells. Those of us here in Jesus, we become the home of the Holy Spirit. God lives in us by His Spirit. We're never cut off from God. No, no matter what is happening in the world around us, because of what Jesus has done, uh, no matter how isolated we may find ourselves from other people, we are never cut off from God. Isn't that incredible? And, and the other part of that is the priest part. That's the sacrifice part. The, the other part of it is the, is the priest part. We don't, not only do we not need another sacrifice, we no longer need a priest to come to God because Jesus is our priest. And, and you see, Jesus sacrificed himself to forgive our sins. Yeah, that's what we've just talked about. But, but, but just like all those thousands of animals that died uh, you know, before Jesus, To forgive the sins of the people. Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again, unlike the animals. And then he ascended to heaven. Where he sits now at the Father's side. He sits at the right hand of God. And this is what Romans 8 tells us. Verse 34. Jesus, Christ Jesus, the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. And that word interceding, that just means that he is pleading our case, right? He's he's representing us. I'm not sure I understand. Oh, that's my uh, watch. Jesus is at the right hand of God pleading our case, representing us. And that's why this verse of. uh, Verse 21 of of Hebrews 10 says that that Jesus is a great high priest over the house of God. We, the church, those of us who believe in Jesus, we are the house of God. We are his dwelling place and Jesus is our great priest. And so we have full access to the presence of God. Guys, this is such good news, isn't it? Don't just hear this and and let it go over your head. Consider it. Let it sink into your heart. Because of what Jesus has done, we are always in the presence of God. Because of what Jesus has done, we are always in the presence of God. And so because of what Jesus has done, we are never alone. Incredible. This should should cause us to burst into song. This should cause us to to fall down and worship. And so the question I want to ask is, is what is our response to this? In this time of isolation and distance from one another, how will we respond to this work that Jesus has done for us? And there's three encouragements from this passage that I want to bring out. Firstly, because of what Jesus has done, let's draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. This is what we see in verse 22. And I love this language of draw near, draw near. It's not really language that we would use in our everyday kind of uh, lives, but I love it because drawn near is the opposite of isolation, isn't it? Isolation is about separation, and 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 drawn near is about access and togetherness. To draw near, it just means it's this Greek word. It just means to come close, to approach. And how much more do we need to draw near to God than in these times when the church is scattered? You see, what this means for us is that even though we may not be able to be together physically, we will always be together with God. Because Jesus has opened up the way for us into the presence of God, we will never be isolated from Him. I know I know, this is a hard time for all of us. And maybe some of us are feeling it more than others. Maybe you live alone and you feel that, 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 you feel that weight of loneliness. Or, or maybe you're getting to the point where you really, you're you really starting to feel that lack of, of not being able to be together. And you just want to be in the same room as your brothers and sisters. Maybe you're missing being able to call around to someone's house. Maybe you're missing being able to go out for a coffee or to get together for dinner. I know I am and church this is why we need to, to preach this truth to our hearts right now and never stop preaching this that when we are in Jesus we are never alone you have access to God God is with us Psalm 139 uh, and David wrote this Psalm uh, he was an old king of Israel and he wrote this song he said where shall i go from your spirit or where uh, where shall i go from your spirit Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol the abode of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. My brothers and sisters, I miss you, but I need you to hear this, that God is with you right now. When you trust in Jesus, there is no isolation from him. The love of God isn't hindered by social distancing. Coronavirus doesn't stop his love from reaching you. His love never fails. You see, when you're adopted into the family of God, nothing can ever separate you from his love ever again. Back to Romans 8, later on in that chapter, uh, Paul writes in that, the Apostle Paul writes in that, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. So let's draw near to God. Let's Come close to him, we can. The way is opened up, we have full access. Listen, it would be a shame if we spent this time uh, of, of isolation and social distancing, putting all our efforts in to stand close to one another, but miss the opportunity to get closer to God. God, God longs for us to be close to him, just the way I long. I love it when my children like they, they want to come and cuddle me and, 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 and hug me and sit on my knee and, and all that kind of stuff. God delights in the closeness of his children. So come close to him. Let's not waste this opportunity to get close to God. Turn to him, run to him, sit with him, enjoy him, and let us draw near. Let us come close to God. Secondly then, because of what Jesus has done, let's hold fast the confession of our hope. This is what verse 30 or 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So what does this mean? Well, sometimes in life things happen that, that maybe cause us to have a wee wobble, right? Um, things that maybe make us second guess whether or not our faith in God is justified. Uh, was I right to can, can, can God really be trusted? I'm sure many of you have felt that way. Um, and, and in times of trouble and, and fear and anxiety and isolation, we might even start to lose our hope. And it's times like this, Hebrew says, that we need to hold on tightly to the hope that we have in Jesus. You see, a lot of how we handle the hard times in life uh, is to do with what our eyes are fixed on. Uh, Over the past few weeks, I've had to limit the amount of news coverage I actually take in uh, because if all I did right now was was watch a news channel or be on my Twitter news feed or whatever, it would be so easy to become full of fear and doubt. Reports of the the death toll, governments and presidents seemingly clueless, quite frankly. No vaccine has emerged yet. There's even talk of a, a second wave of this virus coming in the autumn. And if that's all my eyes are on, what hope do I have? If I just look around and see see isolation and suffering, where is the hope? I love the story of, of Peter walking on water. You can read that in Matthew chapter 11. 14, sorry. Um, don't want to go to the wrong place. Matthew 14. Uh, and I think I connect with this story because I feel like sometimes I'm a bit like Peter. Uh, I, you see, Peter's kind of a all-in. He's an all-or-nothing kind of guy. Um there's, there's no half measures. Like if he's into something, he's like 100% in or else he's like 100% out. That's that's a bit like me, I find it easy to be that way. But anyway, the 12 disciples are out, are out in the sea uh, in a storm and they see Jesus uh, come walking on the water towards them. And, and Peter, classic Peter, he goes, Lord, if that's really you, you tell me to come walking to you and I'll get out of this boat and I'll walk to you in the water. And so Jesus says, come. And so. You know, he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and starts walking towards Jesus in the middle of the storm. But what happens is that he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to notice the the wind and the waves. And he begins to sink in the water and he has to cry out, Lord, save me. You see, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. And when his eyes weren't on Jesus, what were they on? They were on the storm around him. And it's the same for us. If our eyes aren't on Jesus, then they're on the storms around us. That's why we need to hold fast the hope that we have in Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. The verse says, hold fast the confession of our hope. That just means that we need to hold on to what we've been taught about Jesus and the hope that we have because of it. The hope... Hold on to what we've been taught about Jesus and the hope that that message, what the gospel brings us, the hope that God is in control, the hope that because of Jesus we have access to the presence of God, the hope that nothing can separate us from from his love. This is what we have to hold on to. Why? Well, it tells us because God who made these promises is faithful. And I love this because the hope we have in this time of isolation is is not based on our ability to be faithful to God. But it's our hope is based on God's faithfulness to us. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He can just be simply trusted. Listen, in the middle of your doubt, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your isolation, in the middle of your loneliness. No matter how high the waves are that are crashing over the side of your boat. God is faithful he can just be simply trusted and maybe you feel like you're sinking maybe you feel overwhelmed maybe you feel racked with fear and doubt just turn to God yes yes we pray for a cure for this disease and yes we long for an end to isolation and social distancing but far and above putting our hope in these things we hold fast without wavering, it says, that no matter how bad things get, no matter how how far this thing goes, that nothing, nothing will ever separate us from God. God is faithful. His promises are true. So let's hold fast the confession of our hope. Let's hold on without wavering to what we have been taught and what we know about Jesus. Thirdly then, our third encouragement, because of what Jesus has done, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The other day I read an article um, that reminded me in, that even in the middle of this time of social distancing and isolation, that, that, that the one and others of the New Testament aren't optional. In other words, that, that no matter our circumstances, we're commanded to love one another as Christ, loves, uh, as Christ loves us and to comfort one another. And all these different things that the Bible teaches us. Uh, Samuel Parkinson, who wrote the article, he said, I th- he think he put it really well. He said, we may quarantine our bodies, but we don't have the option to quarantine the command to bear with and forgive one another, to exhort one another to conf- or to confront sin. COVID-19 does some interesting things, but it doesn't have the ability to turn these biblical commands into suggestions. And he's right. No matter what's going on in the world, the church is still the church. We are still the body of Christ. We are still called to represent Christ to each other and to the world around us. And yes, it's hard right now, but it's necessary. And it means that we have to get creative, don't we? It, it, it looks like less at risk people going out to get groceries for more at risk people. It means that, that, that those of you who aren't tech savvy are, are going to have to put the effort in and, and become more familiar with technology. It means that we commit to pray for one another when, when, even when we can't see each other. We don't have to see each other to pray for one another. But we should be praying for one another. It means lifting the phone to call each other, to encourage each other in our walks with Jesus. It might mean using Skype or FaceTime or, 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 or dreaded Zoom to actually speak to our, brothers and our brother or sister and say, Listen, I'm really struggling. I need to confess to you and allow them to encourage you in your faith. You see, it struck me this week that I think that God is using this time to redeem how we use technology. God has put us in a situation, I mean us, I mean the church, where, where, where technology is not just about consuming entertainment or boring ourselves or numbing our minds with, with endless uh, social media streams. But, but he's put us in a situation where, where technology is vital to stand connected with one another and being the church together. And so I know that it can be tiring. I know that we get the old uh, screen fatigue. And I know it's not the same. I know it's far from ideal, but use it. Zoom, believe it or not, is a gift from the Lord because it allows us to see each other's faces and, and enjoy fellowship together. I think the Lord has, has caused this pandemic to happen in a time when we have the resources that like given to us by his great by his grace not to be cut off from one another. And that's something to be so thankful for, isn't it? Because the context may be different, but the encouragement is still the same. The encouragement from Hebrews 10 is still the same. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. You see, there's never a time for the church to just hunker down and and wait for the storm to pass. We we don't just batten down the hatches and, and ride it out. So don't be tempted into that way of thinking just because we're in isolation. God is still bringing about his kingdom on earth and we are still the primary way that he is doing that. You better believe it, that God is still saving people. His kingdom is still spreading across the world and he's using his church to do that. So let me encourage you this week. Who do you need to call? Who do you need to check in with? Who do you need to text? Who do you need to FaceTime? Who do you need to stir up to love and good works? Who do you need to FaceTime and ask for help because you're struggling with isolation and your faith is wavering? Who do you need to jump on a call and pray with? Because the amazing thing is that because of what Jesus has done and is doing in our behalf, we don't have to be alone. We get to draw near to God. We get to hold fast to this confession. We get to encourage one another. This isn't a sermon about what we have to do. This is about what Jesus has done for us and and, and how we can live in this this totally blessed life because of his work, not on our works. Earlier on in Hebrews chapter 4, these same themes of um, drawing near and holding fast and Jesus as the the great priest are mentioned. And this is what it says in Hebrews 4. Uh, uh, Hebrews 4, 4-14 to 14. it says since then we have a great high priest there's Jesus again who has passed through the heavens Jesus the Son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near come close approach the throne of grace that's god's throne that we may receive mercy and find grace uh, to help in time of need did you catch that did you did you hear did you hear what jesus what this says about jesus our representative our priest it says that jesus knows our weaknesses He was tempted in every way we are, yet he remained without sin. He he didn't give in to temptation. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. Jesus knows the pain of isolation. On the cross, as Jesus was making that sacrifice for us, that once and for all sacrifice, here's a little taster of what it cost him. On that cross, he cried out before he died, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? see, Jesus died completely alone. It wasn't just his disciples and his friends who abandoned him. Far, 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 far worse than that was that he was abandoned by God. And in this moment, as he cries out to his father, his father doesn't answer. In that moment, there was no reminder that he was God's son. In that moment, there was no reassurance that came from heaven that said, don't worry son, I love you and soon this will be over and soon uh, you will rise again in victory. He was completely abandoned and cut off from God. In that moment, in that one moment in time, Jesus experienced what it's like to call out to God and not have him answer. And he endured that. For you and for me. See, Jesus endured being abandoned by God so we would never have to be abandoned by God. He was forsaken by God so that we could be accepted by God. He was rejected by God so that we could be embraced by God. He, He was isolated from God so that we could come close to God. This moment of Jesus' isolation is also the, the ultimate demonstration of God's love for us. This is what Jesus has done for us. And so because of that, let's come close to God. Because we will never be truly isolated when we are in Jesus. Let's hold fast to our hope because God is faithful to fulfill all his promises. All the promises in this book. And the proof of that is the cross of Jesus and let's stir each other up to love and good works, because we know what the work was that Jesus did for us on the cross. <laughs> so listen, I just want to finish by saying that, that if you're lonely, uh, if you're not part of any church family, get in touch with us. We we would love to you to share in this community that we have in Jesus. And uh, please don't be alone. And and listen, maybe you've never trusted in Jesus, and me. Can I just encourage you, just believe in him? The way to God has been opened up. Jesus was isolated so that you don't have to be. Just accept that because Jesus died for you, your sins are forgiven and you have access to God. And please just get in touch with us if you have any questions. And I'll give some emails address I'll give an email address out later. We would love to talk to you and we'd love to help you with this. And and now for those of us who do trust Jesus, those of us who who are in Jesus, those of us who are following the way of Jesus, those of us who believe that Jesus died for us and he is now our great high priest. We're going to uh, take communion together. This meal of bread and wine, this symbolic meal of bread and wine, that when we take that, we, we actually reenact, we, we declare God's death or Jesus' death all over again. John's going to lead us in some songs and, and just where you are with your bread and wine. And maybe as you take that, even if you're on your own, we are to remind, remind yourself that we are together in spirit. We are together online, um, so you're not taking this on your own. And just say those words: uh, "the the the blood of Christ, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you." Uh, and let's remember that cost of isolation, so that we could have full access to the uh, to the presence of God, so that we would never have to be isolated. Uh, let let me pray for us, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your Word that that just. Uh, It comes at the right time and comforts us Uh, thank you that your word is true um, and it's trustworthy Uh, Lord we thank you for the isolation of Jesus on the cross that sacrifice that that we didn't deserve um, we could never earn Um, Father just that um, it should have been us facing that isolation from God but because of what Jesus has done on the cross uh, we get to be in your presence forever Lord, I pray that, that this week and, and throughout the rest of this time of isolation, we would not neglect our meeting together, that we would, we would stir each other up towards love and good works, that we would draw near to you, Lord, uh, because you long uh, for our closeness and you delight in the closeness of your children. Lord, help us to be the church in this time of crisis. Help us to live by the Spirit. Uh, thank you that you're always with us, you're always close to us, and that you have made us your home. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen.